0: What
1: up? It worked.
0: It worked. We got it working, man. We keep saying fuck Anchor and we're going to get a new app, but we don't.
1: Well, it took us this long just to bang out an episode, so I don't know how long it's going to take us to actually get our podcast feed under us.
0: And, well, whatever. It's working now.
1: It's season two, motherfuckers.
0: Season two. All right. So, what do you got for us today?
1: Well, I'm going to introduce us. Um,
0: okay, yeah, introduce us.
1: Because, uh, I don't know, I think that's what we're supposed to do. But uh, Welcome, mean, accomplices.
0: Welcome, accomplices.
1: Uh, this is Take the Money and Run, the podcast about heists, robberies, fucking dumbass criminals, and uh, sometimes we throw in a conspiracy just to, just to tickle my balls a little bit every once in a while.
0: Yeah, we but, rant about silly shit, because that's what
1: we do. But uh, I'm James Degro, that's Will Bearcat, what up? and uh, fuck, man, I got a doozy for us. I think we should just probably get right into it. All right, all right. So um, I guess I'll just start uh, naming people. Um, we'll start with George Wayne Smith, um, age 29. He'll be the oldest of the group. Um, he's a known and self-proclaimed anarchist. Uh he served two years, actually, in the Army artillery before being honorably discharged. All right. Um, he uh, loses his, ends up losing his job as, like, a maintenance man, janitor kind of thing for uh, the city of Cyprus, California. Um, and he's noted to also uh, often speak of overthrowing the American government. Oh, um, I think...
0: I think most anarchists become that way when they get fired from their janitor job.
1: (laughs) Uh, um, Is Christopher Grant Harvin. He's 27. Um, He also worked the same job, basically, as a maintenance man, janitor guy for uh, the city of uh, Fountain Valley, California. Um, he also served in the army, but he only served a month, which I don't even think gets you out of basic training, uh, before being dishonorably.
0: Wait, dishonorably discharged.
1: Uh, Yeah. He got dishonorably discharged from the army after one month.
0: You have to do something really bad to get dishonorably discharged.
1: (laughs) I mean, you gotta like do a crime or something, right?
0: Yeah. There's like a bunch of different kinds of discharges and dishonorable is the worst one. And usually that's like you uh rape a child or you know stab your spouse 47 times like uh, yeah yeah <laughs> things like uh you know selling drugs and regular criminal stuff usually don't get you dishonorably discharged it's oh okay you gotta, you gotta do something that's uh you know makes people's stomachs churn damn dude yeah
1: i had no idea yeah um so uh the uh, third person is his younger brother, Russell Aaron Harvin. He's 26. Um he's living with his parents at the time in Anaheim, California. Uh he has no no known job or income source or anything um going on really. Um
0: so we got a few winners here.
1: We got a few winners. I got another uh brotherly duo of winners here um belisario delgado he's 17 so he's the youngest um he's not going to school at the time he doesn't have any permanent address uh, no you know verifiable income anything like that um his older brother manuel david delgado and he'll be called manny um he's 21 uh his last known residence was in garden grove california and that's pretty much all that really came up about him um
0: so, a couple of free spirits.
1: Oh, dude. So, George and Christopher Harvin um, both lose their jobs as maintenance men uh, <laughs> around, the, around the same time and decide to move to Mira Loma, California, which is um, somewhere in San Bernardino County, I'm pretty sure.
0: That's where nothing good happens.
1: No. Um <laughs> So they lived together for, uh, about a year, um, from 1979 until mid 1980 at, uh, 10, 50th street. Um, they, uh, they construct like this makeshift, um, building shed thing in their backyard out of like, uh. Aluminum sheeting and you know, shitty plywood and all this stuff, they wrap it in plastic. Um, basically, uh, it's a makeshift greenhouse because inside they have 300 marijuana plants.
0: Oh, dang, um, that's uh, that's quite the greenhouse,
1: dude. I mean, I'm trying to picture 300 plants, and the pictures that I've seen of this greenhouse aren't. Anything I would think you could really put 300 plants in, so maybe they were doing clones or something like that.
0: Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> or maybe they were just shitty tiny plants.
1: Shitty tiny plants. They were using go with flowers. That. Um, they also uh dug a tunnel um from the greenhouse down through the backyard and up into the garage of the house. Um, <clears throat> supposedly. Supposedly, they wanted to use it, you know, if they needed to, like, evade police or something. Um,
0: That doesn't sound well thought out at all. (laughs) Well, yeah, like,
1: we've talked about tunnel systems of escape and stuff, and to go through a tunnel into the same property, I think, is not really El Chapo's style. Everything about this just Ah.
0: screams tweaker.
1: Yeah, that's what, I've, I've heard a couple reactions of this, and most people are just like, dude, meth, dude yep um so uh well we'll start we'll start talking about that um the neighbors uh well actually they, they started to freak out the neighbors um when they added barbed wire all around the top of the greenhouse <laughs> they um they tacked rolls of carpet nails around the fence around like the top of the fences of the property so like if you went to climb over the fence you you know, carpet nails and you get cut up or whatever. Yeah. Um neighbors, next door neighbors were quoted, they were real weirdos. (laughs) 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 So um also underneath the greenhouse um in the tunnel was a an eight by ten by six foot tall room. Um in that little uh underground dungeon they they had a cache of weapons um they had a number of assault rifles that were legally illegally converted to fire automatically um thousands of rounds and fucking crates dude crates of ammo of uh 556 308 and 223 um tons of shotguns uh or shotgun shells they had shotguns uh, you know to use the shells um handguns with hollow point bullets um they had um special forces military manual kind of things um, as well as an anarchist cookbook um have you ever seen the anarchist cookbook
0: uh not in the flesh i've gotten um online copies of various quality there's a lot of things that passes the anarchist cookbook that aren't
1: yeah, I've I've definitely seen a couple online, and yeah, they're yeah they're different. Yeah, the, but the
0: original one super had a, of, uh, had a lot of like bomb making um, tips and stuff like yeah. that. The ones you get how to
1: make bombs, how to make different types of drugs. Um, yeah, a lot of weird stuff, but like it's so in depth and. Um, I mean, you're looking at a diagram for a homemade explosive device, and like, it, it seems too easy to actually be real. Uh, I think.
0: Yeah, but it, a lot direction. A lot of them are.
1: It's yeah. Uh, we've definitely spiked a couple. NSA people are probably listening to this podcast, which is probably more people than listening to it in the in the beginning. But, yeah, well, that, um, that's
0: one way to get listeners.
1: So the uh, they made numerous ex- you know improvised explosive devices, obviously with the information they had on hand. They had uh, made a uh, PVC pipe stuffed with smokeless gunpowder, uh, that was surrounded by uh, a beer can that they filled with nails, broken glass, um, extra bullets, and shit. Um, they wrapped those in tape and attached like hand light fuses. Um, they also made, uh, Molotov cocktail kind of things. You know, they just poured gasoline in glass bottles and capped them off. Um, but, uh, this is interesting because most of the homemade bombs were also attached to a 19 inch wooden dowel, uh, that could be fitted. uh, I guess it was like five eighths of an inch or something like that. So they could fit it down into a shotgun barrel and fired like a fucking mortar (laughs)
0: <laughs> nice that's that's actually creative
1: had an effective range of a hundred yards
0: that's impressive that's
1: so so yeah the fucking wheels are turning everybody I, um i
0: learned something today that's
1: uh yeah yeah we didn't get this i didn't see this copy of the fucking anarchist cookbook <laughs> no with the the shotgun mortars um so uh, the five fucking delinquents that we talked about earlier um, got together in the beginning of May 1980 and uh, to plan like an epic bank heist. Um, they took one week to fucking plan out this bank heist. So, I mean, I mean, I'm phrasing that because I know how this ends. Maybe some of you think that th- that's uh, an adequate amount of time to plan a bank robbery. I'm just going to let you know, spoiler alert, it's not. At all. Uh, yeah,
0: you, you probably want to put a put a little more time into something like a bank robbery because
1: um, George Smith basically is like the leader. Um, he actually had a bank account at the Norco, California branch of uh, the Security Pacific Bank, um, so he assumed that he had you know a reason to be going in there. He cased the bank for several days before the robbery.
0: I think I know where this um, is going now, but okay, continue how so um the norco is one of the i think ones that i've heard about in my in my musings and um looking up of bank robberies and wikipedia rabbit holes
1: but it's it's a doozy man yeah. um and uh and wh- when, this when is... was this again 1980
0: okay 1980 Gotcha.
1: so so there wasn't like um The technology yet for like live, um, you know, helicopter video broadcasting, stuff like that. Yeah, and there
0: weren't cell phones everywhere, which I imagine a good old-fashioned like bank robbery slash shootout would be more exciting today.
1: Today, I feel like there'd be so many more bystanders just shot by ricochets and um, different, you know, uh, shrapnel of things. Because, yeah, well, exactly what you said. Everybody's got a phone. And, I mean, the first thing I did when I came 15 feet away from, uh, you know, a 600-pound black bear in the middle of the woods was, like, crouch down, start to back up, and take my phone out to take a video as I backed away.
0: <laughs> That's important. We we want to see you get eaten. <laughs>
1: I, I, want, I, I hope to pass it along. I, but I, uh, I didn't get eaten.
0: Yeah, and, and that that makes my, my not filming my recent explosion all the more criminal oh. and incompetent. Yeah, I, I really can't. I'm, I'm, like, really pissed at myself for that. I'm ashamed. Yeah. I'm ashamed of you. Know, it's, it would have been good.
1: Um, yeah, you need a GoPro if you're going to blow yourself up. Seriously? So... Um... Let's see, where was I? Uh, So yeah, this fucking piece of shit cased the bank for, you know, I don't know, three or four days, maybe five, seven tops, you know, if he went there every day because they only gave it a week. Which probably
0: didn't because he was too busy attending to his makeshift tweaker greenhouse.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, when you're on that, you know, you have pretty much like 36 hours a day to do stuff.
0: That's true, that's true. He could have watched it for seven days straight. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So... So, um, he planned to, he, like, uh, he drew up maps of the actual bank robbery and, like, their getaway and stuff. Um, they planned on using walkie-talkies to communicate and, like, bring their heaviest fucking, you know, rifles with them. Um, oh, including a ton of fucking homemade explosives, uh, so on the morning of May 9th, 1980, the two Delgado brothers and the younger Harvin brother, Russell, um, go to the Brea shopping mall um, in, in plans of stealing a vehicle for the robbery. Um, this poor bitch, Gary Harala, drove his 1979, which is pretty new, uh, Dodge Tradesman van into the Sears parking lot. Um, he was confronted when three armed men jumped out, in front of him with fucking guns and um, ordered him out of the the vehicle. They hopped in, but they were afraid of him, like calling the cops and saying that his van was stolen. So they bound him, gagged him and blindfolded him and threw him in in the back of the van and took him with them. Um, So they have a hostage now.
0: Man, Jeez. that's that's not a good day for him.
1: Yeah, no, it gets a lot worse. Um, so they uh, they went to another area and loaded the van with you know a shit ton of ammunition, all their fucking homemade explosives and shit, and um, met up with uh, George Smith and Chris Harvin. Uh, those two had placed one of their homemade bombs next to a gas main in a in a under construction site or whatever on the uh, on the south side of town, so what this would do was serve as a distraction, getting all the police and fire department resources to react, you know, southbound, while they focused north um, on the bank. Um, the Security Pacific Bank was at Fourth Street and Hamner Avenue. It was on the corner. Um, their plan from here uh, was to all jump in the van uh, and. They wanted to assault the bank and leave the, leave. <sighs> Hold on. Okay. I'm talking better now. All right. So uh, no, I'm not. I slapped myself again. So their plan from here was to steal, was to fu- <sighs> their plan was to assault the bank, leave in the van. And then they, while the diversion, you know, Cleared everybody out, so they just had a clean getaway. Um, for there, from there, they would ditch the van not far away in the northern end of Norco, and uh, they had stashed two of their personal vehicles there. Um, that, the vehicle, what? Oh, Sorry.
0: that that sounds like pretty like standard operating procedure for a bank robbery: steal a car, create diversion, uh, fucking. Do do the bank heist, take the car to where your other cars are, like set the car on fire, and then drive off in your in your car.
1: It's probably a chapter in the anarchist cookbook.
0: It, it uh, probably is. Because yeah. I
1: really don't think, knowing how this goes, that these fucking morons were capable of like thinking of this shit themselves.
0: Yeah. Um. The, this. So, this was uh, a Ricky plan. This wasn't a Julian plan.
1: Like <laughs> 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 That's perfect.
0: I'm glad you got the reference. Yeah.
1: If anybody doesn't know that was a Trailer Park Boys reference and my fuck you need to go you need to go watch it. Um so uh so the their their personal vehicles were loaded with camping equipment, a shit ton more ammunition, and one of the vehicles had a 375 H&H Magnum rifle with a scope, which is also known as an elephant gun. Um so that's like was a heavy duty I don't know Rifle. Yeah, that sounds. Uh, that
0: sounds like it'll uh, put a stop to any pursuing vehicles or something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean anything anything that's like literally branded to stop a fucking elephant. I think you know, police cruiser is probably not going to do too much better. Yeah. Um,
0: elephants are large. I actually elephants are rode, large. Rode one at the zoo once.
1: The, the, I'm glad it didn't like go out of control or anything. Stomp on little children.
0: I mean, as long Probably, as it didn't stop on me, that would have made a uh, it would have made a good story. So, a good story. Yeah, that's what matters. Anyway.
1: So yeah, so they plan to take the, the, the two cars and escape up more north into the San Bernardino National Forest. Um, so by three thirty p.m. on May, shit, on May ninth. Um, the diversion hadn't gone off. Um, someone had reported something burning earlier in the day and the fire department was dispatched to put out a small fire that had started in a construction site. <laughs> so um, without their diversion, um, the group decided to push ahead with their plan to rob the bank. Uh, so at three forty 40 PM um, the group pulled up in front of the bank in the fucking van with Gary Harala, the hostage tied up in the bank. I mean, in the back. Um, so at this time, uh, the the parking lot's full of bank customers. I'm pretty sure it was a Friday. So like at this time, everybody's trying to like, you know, get money for the weekend and stuff because ATMs aren't a thing yet. So the, the parking lot's basically full. So they have to like park on the other side of the lot, like not directly in front of the bank. You know I mean? So, so if anything, they at least followed some parking parking laws. Um,
0: yeah, don't don't break the law, when you're breaking the law, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you don't want to
1: like you know double jeopardy yourself,
0: or, yeah, you or that to doesn't apply. <laughs> when, you're, when your getaway car is blocked in by the meter maid because you. you <sighs>
1: yeah the getaway cars are, are always you really got to take care of that because yeah we've had the other the other dudes with like the giant spike on the back of their truck and then they were blocking in somebody and the guy just took like went in and took their keys and threw it over some fence. <laughs> you really gotta oh, pay
0: yeah, attention to this shit. i forgot about that
1: um so uh Five heavily armed men carrying um, AR-15s. One of them has an HK-91. Another one has an HK-93, which are serious assault rifles, accomplices who are listening. Um, they have some shotguns, handguns. Uh, they exit the vehicle with ski masks and military fatigues on. Um, four of the men rush into the bank while uh, Belisario Delgado, he's the youngest at 17. He stands guard outside. Um, his Inside the bank, his brother, Manny Delgado, jumps on the teller's counter, and uh, he's he's holding a, a shortened 12-gauge shotgun with an extended magazine. Um, Russell Harvin guards another entrance to the bank with a short stock AR-15. Uh, <clears throat> George Smith, the leader, uh, he's carrying an HK-91. He's moving around the bank giving orders and making sure that nobody, you know, all any of the civilians inside the bank are moving. Um, Chris Harvin, uh, he's carrying an HK 93, grabs the bank manager and takes him to the vault. Um, the bank manager hands over all the money in the fucking bank. I'm going to let you take a guess how much
0: money was in the vault. Uh, I'm going to say probably not enough to make this worth it, but I'll go ahead and just take a shot in the dark maybe 500,000.
1: 20 grand.
0: Oh, they get. Oh, um, that's, uh, so... that's not even going to cover their expenses.
1: <laughs> well, their their plan was to rob the bank so they could, like, buy a piece of land where the U.S. government couldn't tell them what to do.
0: I don't think that Which... land exists.
1: No, no, not, I mean, yeah, no, not even internationally at this point.
0: Yeah, um, like, you, you got, but, you got uh... some parts, you know, maybe some nice parcels outside of Tehran, but other than that, I think the... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> so, uh,
1: so yeah, all I get is fucking twenty grand. Okay. Um, right away, when the masked men jumped out of a van though and ran across the parking lot carrying long guns and dressed in military style clothing, it, it caught some um, of his attention. Well, it actually caught the attention of a teller from the Redlands Savings Bank located directly across the intersection of Fourth and Hamner. So. Um, she calls the police and reports the robbery in progress of these, you know, crazy assholes. Um, luckily that teller managed to get in touch with the County Sheriff's office. Um, because at the same time, another teller from within the security Pacific bank being robbed, hit the silent alarm. Um, the silent alarm actually alerted the nearby city of Corona, California, um, North, uh, Norco is kind of short for Northern Corona. So it's not, you know, it's right there. Okay. Um, so the Corona police, uh, respond to their city, city branch of the security Pacific bank, which is five miles away. Um, but, uh, so anyway, there are, uh, the, the sheriff's office manages to get in touch with the fucking police off police department in Norco. And, um, they they basically respond. These fucking morons did this at shift change. So not, so. there's usually two units um, patrolling, but now there's three because they're changing changing the shift. Okay, so um, shift
0: change is usually a good time to do it, but it sounds like in this case it was a bad time.
1: Somehow it worked out to be a bad time. There were more units that like immediately responded. Um, so... Um, when Be- Belisario Delgado, who's standing outside, saw the first police units approach the bank, he radioed into the four or into the bank to the other four and said, um, "Quotes: We've been spotted. Let's go. Let's go," which is pretty pretty typical. Um, the first police. Uh, what? First poli- what do you think
0: he <laughs> meant by that?
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> So do they have anything other than money to take? <laughs> Cause we didn't fucking get any. Um, the first police unit to respond was Riverside County Sheriff's deputy Glenn Belaski. Um, he was essentially around the fucking corner. Um, so he got the call and was there immediately. Uh, Blasky actually earlier in the day had gotten his cruiser from out of the shop because it had like a faulty um, emergency light bar on top. Um, So when he was nearing the bank, he was totally unaware of like the scope of the robbery in progress. So um, as he's, as he's nearing the bank, he starts to be, he he begins to start hearing like loud pops, which he thought were like glass bottles breaking. And um, then he realized that they were coming from the top of his car. So what he thought was that the noises were coming from something wrong with the new light bar that had been installed that morning. Okay. Um, And uh, it's only until uh, his windshield is blown out as he's pulling into the fucking bank parking lot, um, meeting face-to-face about 15 feet away from the fucking five guys with guns shooting at him. Um, so his windshield gets blown out, his tires, all that shit. He gets hit in the left shoulder, um, when he, and then he ducks down under the dashboard and throws the car in reverse and it backs out into the street, um, crashes into a parked car on the opposite side of the street, causing the police cruiser, like spin around to make perfect cover for him. Um, so he grabs his shotgun uh, which has four shells in it. And he gets out of his car and takes cover behind what he thinks would be like safe, like the engine block or something like that. Um, so the five men get back into the van, um, and they attempt to drive out the, you know, bank driveway and pass Belaski. Um, as the van passes them, uh, the men start shooting out of the, the back windows at, at him. Um, so, uh, Again, armed with his 12-gauge shotgun and four shells, uh, he takes aim at the back of the van and shoots, <clears throat>, shoots four times. And a giant
0: set of balls.
1: 25 yards away. Um, so, yeah, you think he has balls for turning up and, and shooting at him? How about his accuracy? Um, one pellet enters the back of Bellisario Delgado's head, just, bes- just behind his right ear, which instantly paralyzes him. Um, that's the driver. So that's that's, <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, George Smith, uh, as the leader, also takes another shotgun pellet in the groin, which basically means he got his balls shot off. Um, so I mean, that's yeah. The, so the 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 van, you know, veers off and coasts into a into a fence on the north side of Fourth Street, basically right across the street from the bank. They didn't get too far. Um, the remaining four men grab as much ammunition and homemade explosives as they can still carry. Uh, they enter the street and basically just unload on Blasky's police cruiser. Um, at this point he's radioing that he needs, that he's been, uh, he need that he needs backup. He's been hit. He needs an ambulance. I mean, I mean the, there's a lot of, um, recorded radio that, you know the police radio from this and it's pretty fucking crazy and you can hear automatic gunfire in the background too um so uh, um the driver of the van belisario delgado who was hit in the back of the head and paralyzed by the shotgun pellet of glenn, of glenn belaski dies pretty soon because um he, he actually like suffocated like you know he, he got paralyzed oh, I, and
0: paralyzed paralyzed like can't paralyzed, paralyzed paralyzed
1: and then and then ended up suffocating because his lungs were paralyzed dang um so the robbery suffered another fucking moment of stupidity be, uh well because it was the shift change and um So another police unit, Andy Delgado, um, no relation to the fucking robbers arrives on the scene, uh, parks his car near the bank, about 60 yards north of the suspect's and their van. Um, at this point tries to get back into his car to retrieve more ammunition for his revolver. And at this point he's hit an elbow. It's a serious injury. He's losing a lot of blood. Um, he's also hit with glass, uh, shrapnel from bullets. Um, And then the third uh, police unit, Chuck Hill, arrives at the scene, uh, noting immediately that his car was being shot at. So, like, anytime they see a cop, they just start shooting at it. Um, So he pulls behind, like, a small building uh, across a a field from the bank. Um, Over the radio, he hears Belaski screaming for help and that he's bleeding badly. Um, Chuck Hill fucking leaves his cruiser and runs across this field thinking that he'd be less of a target not in his car wait Um,
0: so running across an open field is that's that's one is
1: better than is better than driving across across it when they shoot at the cop car they're not going to shoot the cop they're just shooting at the cop car right
0: okay well i don't know how how did did Um, it go for him
1: it worked okay Okay, um made it so yeah he made it uh he gets he gets across to to Belaski and his cruiser um Blasky told him that his revolver was that, you know, he had shot it or it needed to be reloaded. So this guy goes into the car, reloads this guy's, this guy's revolver, puts it back in his one hand that fucking still works. And, um, they're like, we need to fucking move. So, um, Hill helps Blasky run to like this giant nearby tree and they take cover behind it. Um, for a minute now, they, they haven't been able to see the robbers and they weren't sure where they were, but there was still gunfire going on. Um, the The robbers started to focus their fire on the other officer, Andy Delgado, who um, was in one eye by some broken glass and a bullet actually grazed his head. Um, Hill made a dash for his cruiser back across the field again um, and left Belaski, Bleeding out by the tree. Um, once Hill makes it back to his cruiser, he he drives it crazily towards uh, Belasky across the field uh, with his back door open and spins it around and like blocks Belasky and his cruiser. Um, Belasky falls into the back of the car and his legs are still hanging out of the back and Hill just fucking floors it. Um, at some point, you know they stop and you know get him fully into the car or whatever, but they drive straight to Corona community hospital. Um, Even though officer Delgado was firing at them, the, I mean, he was so far away that like the 38 revolver and the shotgun, you know, with shotgun uh, pellets, just that range is not effective. Um, So the four remaining robbers gathered all their, Ammo, homemade explosives and guns that they could carry again. And they ran towards um, a yellow utility pickup truck that was stopped at a red light in the intersection. Um, the driver of the truck fucking sees a bunch of armed robbers running at him towards his truck. And uh, he, he you know, jumps out, leaves the fucking engine running, keys in the ignition, runs straight across the street into Carl's
0: Jr. I guess he didn't want that. <laughs>
1: I don't know why I find it so funny that it's Carl's Junior. I just it's so gross.
0: Carl's Junior is the uh, the official sanctuary of criminals everywhere.
1: Um, oh no! This is the guy. This this is the truck that they are going to steal. The driver jumps out and runs to Carl's Junior. Yeah,
0: but I mean the criminals aren't going to follow him in there. That's like hallowed ground. Oh. Right? <laughs>
1: first, first when I moved when I first moved to California and I was like. You know, talking to some people or whatever, they 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 called Carl's Jr. Gnarl's Jr.
0: <laughs> Gnarl's Jr. Gnarl's <laughs> Jr.
1: So that's that was basically my first, um, you know, my first impression of Carl's Jr. So I just I've always hated it. It's just gross. to me.
0: Well, I have heard that it has issues. At least the ones in in the town that I'm from. Had issues with um, flies in the iced tea and uh, like other weird shit in the French fries. So <sighs> yeah, it might it might be aptly named Nargles Junior.
1: <laughs> so, um, uh, oh, I lost my spot. So um, they load up into the truck, uh, but they leave hundreds of rounds of ammo. Um, you know, a couple guns. And the $20,000. Dude. They left it in the van. Dude. And they also left uh, Gary Harala in the van, too. So,
0: Well, I mean, it sounds like he was kind of fucksville, so.
1: That guy. Can, can you imagine being blindfolded and, like, tied up, thrown in the back of your own van? You know, like you're bumping around, you know, and they're making turns and stuff, and then all of a sudden, it's just a deafening roar of fucking automatic gunfire.
0: <laughs> well, it sounds. He made it through all right, though, didn't he? Yeah.
1: yeah. No, he makes it out completely unharmed, dude.
0: That's what which that I was. think
1: is pretty crazy because there was a lot there was shooting at the van.
0: Now, if he was if he was a G, he would have just taken that twenty thousand dollars and booked it. <laughs>
1: so uh chris harvin jumps in the driver's seat and manny delgado into the passenger seat um russell harvin and george smith climb into the back of the pickup truck uh using like the metal side cabinets as cover um it's like a work truck yeah uh so the men drive towards officer delgado and his cruiser and basically slow down and unload on him as they drive by um
0: that's in this crazy
1: what that's rude so, in this craziness, he mistakenly radios that the robbers have split up and taken hostages as they head northbound away from the bank, which is not true. They actually just left their hostage. Um, how much time do you think has gone by?
0: Oh, I'm guessing a solid two minutes. minutes, four minutes, four minutes. Okay,
1: dude. I mean,
0: that's an pack four minutes.
1: So Chris Harvin driving the truck runs, uh, so this is 4th and Hamner is the bank. He runs a red light at uh, 5th and Hamner and crashes into somebody. Um, And then he also runs another red light at 6th and Hamner and crashes into another civilian vehicle. (laughs) Um, The first unit to respond to the situation from the Sheriff's Department was Deputy Daryl Reed. Uh, he was traveling southbound on Hamner, and uh as he passed the yellow truck, the robbers you know unloaded on him again, basically from the bed of the truck um, He got hit in the back of the knee um radios uh in the confrontation you know the location as well, but the amount of officers at this point trying to call in different things where this place is who 's shot, who needs help, the ambulance is here it, it, all of that especially in you know nineteen eighty Um, technology is not going to go well and there's not going to be clear communication. Uh, So the robbers continue North and actually pass by their two getaway cars because there's police on their tail. So they're like, we can't stop. Um, They enter the community of Mira Loma uh, and which is like a residential area um, start turning onto residential streets. Uh, The next deputy to encounter the truck was deputy Doug Mortman um, traveling in the opposite direction. Um, they encountered each other in front of like a small dairy farm. Um, they fire on his cruiser, but miss entirely. Uh, but it still causes him to lose control of his vehicle and he crashes into the dairy farm's fence. <laughs> so, uh, the next deputy is deputy parks. Um, he's uh, further into the residential streets of Mira Loma. Um, they fire on his cruiser He gets injured by broken glass, shrapnel, um, parks kind of ducks down, waits for them to pass by and stop shooting, uh, before he pulls a a U in the street and starts pulling, uh, pursuing the truck. Um, bullets fucking continue to hit his cruiser and like snap around, ricocheting off the ground around his, you know, as he drives. And, uh, he realizes that they must be using like high powered weapons based on the distance that he's following them from. Uh, he's, he's actually the first one to kind of radio in and confirm like this to dispatch. So they call out like, you know, people hang back a little bit. Um, the truck turns down another street and is met by, uh, three County police cruisers. Um, one of which is deputy Brown, whose police car is hit and he's injured by bullet fragments flying into his leg. Uh, another one's deputy McDaniels. He's struck in the right shoulder. Um, they both stay behind while, uh, the third, uh, deputy Matton, um, he's on her. He takes pursuit of the robbers, uh, in the truck with, um, another, uh, officer CHP officer, Ernest, uh, I stopped with the first and last names and I've just gone to last names at this point. Um, officer parks unit is, uh, disabled. The engine's disabled by more rifle fire and he drops out of the chase um, but he, uh, is picked up by another deputy, Chisholm, um, and they, you know, continue on, uh, the truck turns onto 50th street, which is their fucking street <laughs> and pass by their own fucking house. <laughs> Dang. Use that escape tunnel.
0: Yeah. Uh, so they were, they were kind of going on autopilot now, weren't they? Or were they trying for the escape tunnel?
1: Uh, I mean I, like if I ever try to escape anything, the last place I'm going is something that has my name
0: in it, yeah <laughs> like it, in my name It sounds like they may not have planned for this eventuality,
1: well, in about a week, they probably ran out of time <laughs> um so uh, they circle around this neighborhood a little bit um several times, they actually end up passing their own fucking house um they encounter three more police units while turning at an intersection. They fire on all the cars. Um, Deputy Crow is hit in the shoulder and arm. He pulls over. Um, uh, Deputy Reynard is hit in the elbow. Um, he pulls over. Uh, another bullet just misses the third officer Romo's head, um, but his vehicle is disabled just based on the rifle fire. So uh, the truck then starts to pass by a civilian vehicle and thinks like, okay, if I shoot at this and hurt these people, then maybe the cops will stop and take care of them instead of following us. So they shoot at the civilian vehicle um, in an effort to distract the police. Uh, The car is hit, totally disabled, um, but nobody inside is actually injured. Um, They continue this fucking meth-fueled Madness, um, as the truck makes another right around the block, uh, they pass a group of four 12-year-old boys on bicycles. (laughs) (laughs) They open fire at the boys on the bicycles. Um,
0: Only one boy
1: gets hit, uh, and he loses his middle finger. So that's about it.
0: (laughs) So these guys weren't exactly expert marksmen.
1: No, they were terrible. I mean... For the most part, all they're doing is firing from the hip, from what I've seen.
0: And and they're just spraying because their rifles are automatic.
1: Yeah, that too. I mean, they're in the back of a, you know, crazily driven pickup truck. I'm sure they're bouncing around and stuff. But, like, you think you could probably get a couple hits on a group of four boy, 12-year-old boys on bicycles. I mean,
0: yeah, yeah but walk- in, the, in the 80s, kids weren't as fat.
1: <laughs> oh, those are the good old days when you can get out and run outside and get shot out by fucking robbers and stuff. This is probably this is why nobody lets their kids play outside anymore.
0: Yeah, whatever. It's uh it's a good life experience if you get, you know, shot out by a car full of tweaked up bank robbers. And now
1: he can only give you one middle finger as opposed to two. So
0: That probably ruined his middle
1: Uh, school career. So at this point, the robbers aren't being like directly chased by any police cruisers on the ground. Um, But there is a local police helicopter um, following them. It's codenamed Baker one or some shit. Um, uh, Parks and Chisholm catch up to the robbers on interstate 15 northbound. Um, Another helicopter is taken chase from the San Bernardino County uh, Sheriff's Department. Um, The robbers actually fire on that helicopter. Um, They end up hitting one of the landing skids, which causes the bullet to ricochet up into the cockpit between the pilot's legs and um, into the instrument control panel. Um, This causes a fire. Uh, The fucking helicopter breaks from the pursuit and lands safely nearby um holy shit yeah <laughs> how do you make how How can i make this worse if i don't shoot at kids if i don't shoot at adults in their vehicle let me shoot at the cop's helicopter i don't this know
0: is if, if you can take out, if you if you can take out the helicopter though that'll uh you know that's probably the one smart thing they did because if the hell you can't outrun the helicopter
1: well that's what brings you from like Three to four stars in Grand Theft Auto.
0: I mean, I think these guys were already there.
1: They were at five stars.
0: They were they were going for broke. They weren't they weren't trying to stealth their way through this mission anymore.
1: Um. So yeah, I mean, like they didn't bring the money. I don't know if they just consciously forgot it or purposely left it. I, I don't understand, but. um the police units were still being fired, at, you know, uh, effectively um, from over a half mile down the highway. Um, parks radios that all units should turn off their, like, emergency lights on top of their cars to make it harder for the robbers to, like, distinguish targets. Um, one of the new units uh, actually caught up with the truck. You know, he was like, fuck this. Let's go see what's going on he gets pushed back by uh, crazy amounts of gunfire and uh, three homemade bombs exploding in front of his car that were hand-thrown from the back of the fucking pickup truck. So they
0: did end <laughs> up using the bombs, okay. They did.
1: They did. And, and, yeah, at this point, they are successfully using the mortars and the Molotov cocktails and stuff. They actually, um, like, had uh, some of the mock, uh, Molotov cocktails set up um, to be mortars as well so
0: not gonna lie this actually does sound fun as fuck
1: so i mean like this is this is the original north hollywood shootout the one that you covered this is like this is the this is the first one and just because there was no like television coverage of it it has fallen to the wayside but holy shit is it crazy um so the robbers actually end up pulling off the highway and enter the San Bernardino national forest near uh Lytle Creek. Um, Lytle Creek is like a, you can go there and hunt, you can go there and, you know, legally shoot weapons or whatever. So they had actually taken their shit there to like train, um, you know, before the robbery, you know, and like try out these weapons and stuff. Um, so not only did they go back to their house, but they're also going back to like their training grounds. Um, After, uh, at this point, it's been about 35 miles in 42 minutes is, is this chase. Um, at this point, uh, again, they enter the San Bernardino national forest. Um, the truck drives down about seven miles of single lane dirt road. Um, deputy James Evans is the lead car. Now that parks and Chisholm's vehicle was finally disabled. Um, The remaining helicopter, um, I think it might still be that one, Baker 1, doesn't have – or the the police on the ground don't have the radio frequency to communicate with that helicopter. Um, So uh, there's like an unmarked unit, unmarked detectives unit with um, like two detectives in it that have responded, and they have like a handheld radio that they can get in touch with the helicopter. So the helicopter radio's location and stuff down to them. And then they have to call it in on the police radio, which is totally jumbled by, I mean, the numerous, numerous amounts of police that have been shot at this point And the, just all the craziness. So like, there's a huge miscommunication, you know, barrier there. Um, uh, this just leads to more fucking confusion. Um, they can't, they can't tell deputy Evans, you know, when, when the yellow truck stops. Um, so lost in those communications is the warning to deputy Evans that the yellow truck has stopped. um, because there's been like a washout in the road and they're kind of like around a blind corner. And what they do is they get out of their car uh, or get out of the truck. Um, and just kind of like take aim and wait to ambush the police coming around the corner. Um, so, uh, I wrote this in, but it's, it's, I don't know, context wise, how, how I I thought it would fit in here. But, um, another deputy, uh, Fontana, um, was the only unit to, uh, go back to like his department's armory and grab an M16. So, um, but the, the thing is he had no idea how to use it, which, I don't know how hard it is to use an M-16, but I feel like I could figure it out in an emergency situation. Um, Or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Uh, The robbers, uh, yeah. When Deputy Evans um, rounds the curve, he's immediately fired on. Um, He isn't hit yet, but uh, stops his cruiser, crawls out behind it. Um, and returns fire shooting with his 38 revolver at about 60 yards, which is pretty fucking far. Um, two more deputies arrive on the scene just in time to see Evans get shot in the face and drop to the ground dead. Oh um, yeah. So that's, that's the first police casualty actually in this, um, the fire is so intense that one of the fucking officers dives underneath his car and tries to dig a hole in the dirt to get away from him. Um, not not the best way but um the other officer approaches uh deputy evans and his cruiser um and engages the robbers with the m16 um at that point the the robbers realize that like they are being finally matched with firepower like up until this point they could pretty much do whatever they want and keep the police at bay but now they realize you know oh shit um so they uh flee on foot Um, across the washout and uh, split up going up into the mountains. Um, The police kind of hold their position back there uh, and wait for SWAT teams to arrive um, with heavier weapons and whatnot, Um, but by that point, it's almost 5 o'clock or it's probably like 4.30 and um, I guess the sun's going down or, I mean, this is fucking May, so the sun shouldn't be going down too much, but um. They wait overnight. Uh and it's a fucking cold, cold night. Um until daybreak to search the area. Now uh, did, the,
0: 60- did those guys I remember you said they they had camping equipment and stuff with them. Did they bring that or did they leave it with the money?
1: They well, the camping equipment and spare ammunition and that elephant gun were in their uh other getaway
0: cars. Oh, okay.
1: And they drove right past those. All right. Twice. So, um, this is where I started handwriting shit cause the library closed. Um, so my handwriting sucks. Uh, so a 65 man LAPD search party came to assist along with, you know, numerous helicopters, search team assets from more neighboring counties. Um, Incidentally, four officers uh, traveling to the command post in their own four-wheel uh, four, four-wheel drive vehicle spotted two suspects freezing and shivering. Um, stopped, uh, arrested them without any incident or resistance. Um, the two that they arrested were brothers, Chris and Russell Harvin. Uh, they were injured. Chris had been shot, um, and but yeah, they were basically suffering from from exposure from the cold at night. Um, George Smith, uh, the leader surrendered when deputies neared his um, hiding location. Um, he had two wounds. Uh, he had been shot in the leg and previously in the groin from the beginning. Um, so he's like suffering from a lot of blood loss. And again, these guys are fucking freezing their asses off. Um, Manny Delgado broke off. Uh, from the other's direction and climbed up like a tall hill. Um, He was actually spotted um, by a search helicopter hiding in some thick brush. Um, Two deputies responded to the location and ordered him to come out and surrender. Uh, Delgado turned with a 38 revolver in his hand and was shot right away with several shotgun blasts and two, two, three rifle rounds Um, in the process of him getting shot and falling down. Um, he ends up shooting himself in the heart with his pistol. (sighs) Well, all right. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's it. They fucking got him. Um, the trial began, uh, like a year later, June 8th, 1981 in San Diego County due to the publicity. They had to move it out of the area entirely. Um, it took 14 months still from then to even pick a jury. Uh, like it's all pretty ridiculous. Um, all three were found guilty of the crimes of the robbery and the shootings. And I mean, just add it up, illegal firearms, homemade explosives, using all those things, commandeering vehicles. And then the special, uh, circumstance of the murder of Riverside County deputy, James Evans. Um, everybody was sentenced to life plus 36 years and eight months. Um, And that was September 24th, 1982. And that, my accomplices and my brave co-host, is the fucking Norco shootout, which I am dripping with sweat because it's so fucking hot in here right now. But
0: damn, man. What a fucking story. That that was a good one. That was intense.
1: It... I mean, I, I started, there's a couple details here and there that I left out. Um, just things that I were like, uh, ah, you know, I don't know if I really feel like t- typing that at one point when, when Belasky was behind the tree bleeding out in the beginning of the earlier initial shootout, um, just a regular civilian walks up behind him and is like, Hey man, what's going on? <laughs> Get the fuck down. They're fucking shooting. And the guy's like, whoa, whoa. And he's like, if you don't fucking get down, you The guy just, like, takes off. And he's not seen from again. Um, there was another crazy instance where a sheriff's deputy car uh, in the pursuit breaks down and um, stops conveniently on some train tracks. And a train comes by, hits it, and it flies about 100 yards down the fucking tracks. The officer had gotten out, but, I mean, come on. What else? What else? Yeah. But,
0: uh, I wonder, I wonder how many of those, you know, cars that were broken down were actually broken down or the guys were just like, you know what? Fuck this. Uh, my car's broken.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of these, I mean, this, this is nothing that these people had ever experienced before. Um, You know, they're armed with 38 caliber revolvers and shotguns like this. You know, I know we talked about in the North Hollywood shootout that, you know, that really changed the tactics and firearm, you know, capacity of police. But like this had a bigger impact because in uh, L.A. was having the Olympics in 1984. So they were freaked out. And they were like, "Holy shit, we need some stuff." So, like, they started picking up all those spare M16s and everything from the military surplus. Um, the county sheriffs um, adopted the Ruger Mini 14 as um, you know, yeah. Uh, regular regular arm armament for each unit. They upped uh, each police unit from the one single officer to two officers. So. This, yeah they no nobody ever expected this for sure and um
0: and that's fuck. that's just makes it more impressive the guys that you know did pursue them like knowing how outgunned they were and they're just like we're not we're not giving up
1: no um the the deputy who who lost his life James Evans was actually um a uh, former green beret like that dude was a fucking badass he's the one that actually had shot uh one of the guys chris harvin um uh with his 38 from 60 yards away or whatever when before they shot him in the face oh i mean yeah he he was he was engaged yeah for sure
0: that's badass but
1: uh whoo man um So one thing about this podcast, and I just thought about this the other day or yesterday because I was standing smoking a joint and looking at a bank and I was like, I saw a ladder that led up the side of it. And I just thought to myself, I was like, damn, now I'm thinking about how I can rob that bank. Not that I would, (laughs) but just like. Reading up all these stories about people robbing banks and stuff—it's just like, how how would I do it?
0: Yeah, how, in this situation, you know, if life or death for some reason, I had to rob this bank. Yeah,
1: it's uh it's an eye-opening uh, experience. This podcast. Yep. But um, it makes thanks everybody. Ways
0: that everyone else in the bank as well, huh?
1: That too. Yeah. I don't really go anywhere and like not, um, I don't go anywhere and like trust the people around me. That's good.
0: It improves your situational awareness.
1: It's just, you know, everybody, uh, is a potential active shooter. (laughs) Um, you know, in every grocery store or every restaurant that I go in or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, which brings me to, to this other thing that I totally forgot about. Um, I actually saw um, uh, an active shooter drill go on. Like, I, I was driving by a, a high school, which is obviously closed for summer, and there was, like, police tape all around it, and there were some um, some cops kind of, like, standing by the whatchamacallit entrances, and um, just, like, a huge command post, but I actually saw, like, the SWAT team, like, stack up, but like, you know, next to a door as I drove by. And I was like, did, oh, shit. Dude, did but I was... tell
0: you about the time when I got to participate in one of those active shooter trainings? No. Oh, dude. Okay, okay. So, this was when I was in college, and it was actually the summer, like, after I graduated when I was still living okay. there. Um okay. And we had, like, the the student veterans club and the the police chief for the college would come to our, like, um, we'd have a barbecue every year, like, on Veterans Day. And he'd always show up and just socialize. And he was actually a cool guy. He uh, was doing things that made sense, which I think made his career difficult up until that point. But he eventually became the chief of police for, you know, the um, UC Santa bar or Santa Cruz. Um, Oh, okay. So he was like, yeah, we're going to be having this active shooter training if you guys want to come help out. And so we're like, fuck yeah. You know, me and a couple other guys were like, yeah, let's, let's go help out. Let's see what they're doing. So they, they had some students who were doing like work study, mostly just doing grounds maintenance and stuff that they tap, uh, tap for that as well. Mostly they were just having people, um, Freaking uh, go around and make sure people didn't enter the area because they were using okay. they were using sim rounds, which are like chalk rounds that are fired out of a, a modified real uh, gun.
1: Oh, okay. So, so they're kind of like blanks or whatever.
0: Uh, it's it's more like uh, paintballs that you fire out of a real gun, but they they oh, they okay. hurt a little more than paintballs. They'll definitely break skin. But oh, um,
1: so it's it's a it's a projectile. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: So they, they, they mostly had us go around and like, do make sure people didn't go in the area. And I was like, this is kind of bullshit. This isn't what I thought we were going to be doing, but whatever, you know, I'll help out. And this was actually in response to, um, there was a incident. It was a, a couple of detectives actually responded, uh, in the city of Santa Cruz, um, that were veterans of the force. One would been on the force for like 10 years and the other one for 16 years. They responded to a domestic disturbance where this guy was, I guess, hitting his wife or something freaking out. And uh, it turns out he was just a uh, batshit insane Vietnam vet. And he came out shooting and killed both of them. And so the cops that responded were from three different, um, three different uh, like departments and they didn't really know how to work well together. And, they ended up having a running gun battle with this guy and the cops ended up shooting him, but they also shot, uh, passing by bicyclists. So Wee. they're like, yeah. Did he lose a
1: middle finger? Huh? Did he lose a <laughs> middle finger?
0: Uh, no, I think they actually like shot him in the chest or something, but, oh, Jesus. um, yeah. So th- this was kind of in response to that and kind of in response to, we need to make sure our school's safe. Um, and so they had different departments from all over the area come, and it was actually really good training. What they had them do was they they had a uh, highway patrol SWAT guys there training them, and they had uh, each um, each team of three or four people was made up of people from different departments. So they had like you show you just randomly get picked to form a team. With these other guys, and then they'd kind of give you a tra- some training of what to do, tell you the basic situation, and send you in. Um, cool. So yeah, it was pretty cool. And they had some guy; they had one guy playing the active shooter, and I got to play the. Um, the casualty just lying down and like screaming like, Oh God, I'm shot. And you know, they, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, maybe it sounds weird, but I've always wanted to do one of those.
0: Well, check it out at the end. They gave us, um, they, they let a couple of the students have, you know, be the shooters and oh. they were getting a little loose with it. Cause it was a two day training and the last one on the second day, they, they only had a couple guys, and this was like a serious what well, it was a seven story like uh dorm. And so they they were gonna, you know, have a couple different shooters on different floors and nobody knew where it was and there would be hostages and it was gonna be three teams coordinating and going in. So they oh, needed man. some extra shooters. So yeah. So they gave me um Oh, oh a, here we go. It w yeah, it was like a Smith and Wesson with uh seven shots um in the uh of sim rounds and they said here these are your hostages uh go ahead and set up and you know when those guys come through the door uh do what you want and I was like all right so I had the hostages get on their knees in front of me um, oh, and I hid behind them like kind of crouched down
1: yeah, and just so you know, if if, if anything, if you ever need to do anything official with your life, this is going to be, like, totally clipped out, and it's going to be like, so I had the hostages, oh, and I hid behind
0: me. Yeah, it was great. It was these college students, <laughs> and I was like, they had them, you know, get on their knees, put their hands on the back of their head, and just wait for the cops. Um, and so the cops came in, and they didn't – the first guy did what he was supposed to do, and uh, uh, rushed uh the Shoot the room. hostages? So, oh, and here's the other thing. They had, the first guy had an MP5 and the second two people had M4s and I had a pistol with seven shots. And and their rounds had paint. Mine didn't have paint because they were trying, I think it was better for morale if you didn't actually see where you got shot for them, but they wanted to be able to see where the cops hit. Right. Um, so the first guy runs in, uh, goes black on ammo and freaking, um, I shot him a few times, I think like five times. <laughs> and yeah, so he runs and jumps for cover behind the, uh, behind the couch. But his ass. That's,
1: that's when you scream, no, you're
0: dead. I shot you. Well, you know, he, so he like curls up a in the feet position behind the couch. And I think he's trying to do the thing to get out of the way for the next people to come in. Well, the next one was this like very uh, Boldike looking um, cop that froze in the doorway. Like, she was supposed to push through so the person behind her could also get in the room. But she didn't. She froze in the doorway and took cover. So I shot the guy a couple times when he was coming in, and then when he's in the fetal position behind the couch with his ass sticking out, I shot him in the ass a couple times. <laughs> and then I just took my time and aimed at this lady who's spraying. She's just firing wild. And she's, she's gotten m four, and we're probably... I don't know, less than 10 feet away. And... yeah. Well, isn't she shooting the hostages? Well, well, that's the thing. So afterwards... So, well, I I take my time, aim at her, and shoot her twice in the face. She's got a face mask on.
1: Oh, my fuck.
0: And then I put... They they said, after you run out of ammo, put the gun down and surrender. So I'm like, all right. I put it on the table. I get on my knees. And then they come into the room and, you know, handle it. So... (laughs) Uh, we looked around. I didn't get hit a single time. The wall behind <laughs> me. I don't know if you've seen Dumb and Dumber, where the guy shoots at the guy a bunch of times, and it's like an outline of him.
1: What if he shot you in the face? What up? But what if he shot you in the face?
0: <laughs> um. Oh me.
1: Oh no, that's from the movie. Oh, that's from the movie. Was...
0: Okay, yeah, I thought you were quoting, but I don't. I don't remember that.
1: That was just. That was just a risk we were willing to take. <laughs>
0: so anyway they shot both of the hostages a bunch of times completely missed me shot the walls a bunch of times and yeah so that that was a, a great confidence builder for me that i was like hey if i'm ever in a shootout with the cops i could probably uh do all right
1: that's so what an interesting piece of information to have in your life that you know like even in a training situation that the cops like freaked out. Well, They panicked. That was the
0: thing. They panicked. And I'd done that kind of thing so many times just in training that I was like, all right, business as usual, you know?
1: Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's probably why they, you know, allowed you to to do that because you had some remote training or whatever,
0: but no, they didn't know. I see, I think they, they thought it was just like a, you know, random college kid. I don't don't think they would let me if they knew. (laughs)
1: too effective
0: yeah well that was one of the things was they were trying to it was partly training but they also wanted to make sure the cops had their confidence built up so that they would go running into an active shooter situation you know
1: right but now this guy's got a welt on his ass the size of a quarter yeah this
0: this other lady froze in the doorway and got shot twice in the face it's like yeah that's
1: they went home and drank themselves to sleep because of you I, I hope so. It's a public service. I, heck yeah. Well, that is possibly more crazy than the fucking story that I told, to be completely honest. <laughs> it's more entertaining, I think.
0: Well, we, we try to entertain here at Take the Money
1: and Run. At Take the Money Pod. Don't forget to fucking follow us on Instagram because I don't do any of that other bullshit. Um apparently uh, if you give us five stars uh, that's a good thing, um, on the iTunes podcast app. But uh, whatever, do what do what you you will. Because I listen, I've been listening to podcasts for a long time, and I haven't given any of them ratings.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I <laughs> uh, I'm am I still think that's a myth. I'm not completely convinced. I think it's it's about as real as the Earth being round. Oh,
1: fuck. <laughs> just just when i thought we were wrapping this up
0: well we we don't have to get into that i was completely joking
1: no no that is a fucking joke um i was listening to some podcast today and they were i don't know if they were joking about it or not but oh no they were joking about it but uh <laughs> man scary people in this world people that believe the earth is flat People that fucking make mortars out of shotguns and fucking IEDs. Um, So yeah, accomplices, don't rob a bank. It's not a good idea. Or or Uh, if you
0: do, at least put uh, two weeks worth of planning into it.
1: I was going to say, if you are so compelled to fucking get in a gunpowder based dispute with the police on your way out of a bank robbery, just put a little bit more thought into it. I mean, just make sure that the cash hasn't been picked up like 2 hours before you get there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's uh, so much stupidity in this one. It's painful. Yep. But uh yeah, they they disabled like dozens of cop cars, um, you know, multiple civilian vehicles. Um, I think there was eight police um injured and the one uh fatality. Um, Uh, Two of the robbers um, got killed in the process, and the three are uh, confined until death by the state. Uh,
0: Arguably a fate worse than being killed. I believe that. I ain't going back. (laughs) I ain't going back. (laughs) I ain't going back.
1: Anyway, before I get myself in any more fucking trouble. Thanks everybody for listening to another episode of take the money and fucking run. <laughs> because, Cause I love doing this shit. I've been fucking an anxious mess for the past two days trying to get this done, but it was so worth it. Yeah, this And is a good uh, one. it was, it was worth it just to hear the fact that you were a, a, a faux active shooter once that's the last experience that I need. That's, that's the last confidence boost that I need in my life. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, Further incrimination.
0: Yep. Yep. End it, Will. End it. All right. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week or at some undisclosed point in the future.